Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet at the John Campus Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. I'm joined today by writer, director, producer, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Back there, we've got Ray Ora running the show is Jonathan Voico. We've got Taylor Gonzalez sitting right beside him. And of course, most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here, making the show part of your day. we got a whole bunch of stuff to get to, so let's not waste any time and dive right into it. And we're going to start with this. You know, a couple of trailers dropped this morning, one for a very Highly anticipated movie I've got, uh, a little John Wick movie, but also one for a movie I had totally 100% even forgot was even coming. <laughs> a Tetris movie. Oh, I know, that sounds ridiculous. And I remember when they first announced that Apple was going to be doing a Tetris movie, I thought this must be some kind of joke. This must be some kind of Saturday Night Live sketch that they're doing. But no, lo and behold, this morning, the trailer for a Tetris movie actually dropped uh, on YouTube for the world to see. Let's bring up that page there, Jonathan. It actually dropped, and uh, it's it's there. It's real. And I'll tell you what, when it started, when the trailer began, I looked at it, and I was like, this does feel like an SNL sketch. Yes. Just like the Pedro Pascal Super Mario Brothers sketch, that, that brilliant sketch they did last week. I'm watching this. It's like, Tetris, you can't get it out of your brain when it happens. I'm like, this is really bad. But as the trailer progressed and I started realizing, wait, is there actually a real story behind how this game came to be? This game that all of us just kind of take for granted a little bit like the social network. Like, is there right. actually a real story behind Facebook, you know, came up and I started to watch this. I'm like, really? It involved the Russians. There was th what? And I, I have to tell you by the end of this Tetris trailer, I find my, I found myself completely locked in, like 100% locked in. And I'm just like, I went from the first 15 seconds of this trailer going, this looks like a bad SNL sketch, to the end of it going, I must watch this. I must watch this. Taron Egerton looks great. Toby Jones is in it. I, It's got the feel, I don't know, it, it's got the feel of a 70s era Spielberg kind of film to me so look i don't know if at the end of the day this movie's gonna be any good but last night i did not go to bed at all thinking about tetris today i am thinking a lot about tetris i thought this trailer looked great rob what did you think uh, you know <laughs> I, I put it in our little uh work feed this morning because it was one of the first things i saw when i got up i'm like i like you though i start watching this and i'm like what the, what is it? i thought i honestly thought that it was they were going to figure out like we would get animated Tetris pieces that lived in a Tetris land or something. I didn't know what it was going to be. And I'm like, huh, like you at first, I'm like, this has got to be a joke. But then by the end, like you said, I'm like, I want to watch this movie. <laughs> and, you know, I knew the Russian thing because the music, you know, the music for yeah. Tetris was the da, 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 you know, yeah. famous Russian folk music or whatever. But I it, it, sure there's a story behind it. And when you think about how many people we all played Tetris. Like it was one of the great work frittering away time at work games ever. You could play that. You could pick it up and play it anywhere at any time. So it doesn't surprise me that there is a story behind it. And John, I'm in, I'll watch it. I mean, like you said, like the social network is a good 
I think we're going to get the social networks. One of my favorite movies of the yes. 21st century. But I think I'm curious about a lot of these things. Like, does this mean we're going to get an angry birds movie? Not about the birds themselves, the animated angry birds movie, but how did that game get developed? How did they get Lucasfilm on board to make Star Wars Angry Birds? Now I want to know. I mean, it is it is funny when you when you can take and I remember we talked about this back when Social Network came out, like a bunch of us who were in the online space. The the whole thing about you take these seemingly mundane things that we just all take for granted. Um, there there was a movie with Greg Kinnear. I'm trying to remember the name of it, where he literally played the guy who invented the windshield wiper. Right? Do, oh, do you remember yeah. that? I cannot remember the name oh, of it now. Yeah. But it's like every once in a while when you find out that these... Was it semi- Flash of Genius? That might be it. That, that sounds it. right. But when these movies come out where you, these Monday things that we all just know and take for granted and find out there was actually some kind of maybe even harrowing story behind it and like this Tetris thing, this trailer's already showed me a thousand percent more drama behind it than I ever possibly thought there could have been yeah. for a game like that. So anyway, guys question is for you did you have a chance to see this tetris trailer with uh taron egerton the kingsman uh his in suit Eddie by the Eagle. way did not fit as well as it did in the kingsman no no not not as good as the suit in that one <laughs> no. what did you guys think about it whatever your thoughts were jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there all right guys with that down let's talk about another trailer that came out today I was not thinking we were going to get this trailer for another week or two, to be honest. But today they released what I believe is the final trailer for John Wick Chapter 4. The brand new John Wick Chapter 4 trailer dropped. And I'll tell you what. Look, my excitement for this franchise is is pretty, pretty high. I mean, I, I love the first one. I didn't like the second one as much, but I did still really liked it. The third one, I think, is my favorite of the bunch. And going into four, super peaked, super excited. But the questions remain, at what point does it run out of steam? You know, there's a little, as excited as we are, come on, guys, everybody admit it, somewhere in the back of our heads, we're just kind of waiting for this franchise to maybe run a bit out of steam, right? And the first trailer that came out for it was good. It's like, yeah, this is, John Wick, can't wait to get back to it. Guys, guys, dude. Guys, this is not that day. This is not that day. <laughs> I've reminded the uh, Return of the King speech. A day will come when the heart of man will fail, but it is not this day. Oh, my God. This trailer. When if you had told me that today I would wake up and see footage of one man being hit by a car and his body spinning in the air while another man shoots him spinning in the air after being hit by a car. I would have said, I don't believe you, but that would make it a good day. And ladies and gentlemen, today is a good day. That trail, and when John Wick is like fighting the one guy, he gets the arm and then flips him right into an oncoming car. The stuff on the horses, the stuff in the clubs, seeing Sonata in there, Donnie, I mean, come on. Come on. I I will go on record right now. This is the best John Wick trailer we've ever had. Out of one, two, or three, this is the best John Wick trailer we have ever had. And and it, and that one from part three where he's on the motorcycles and doing everything with the with motorcycles, ninjas on motorcycles. Dude. Like, that's a hard trailer on. to top. That ninjas. is a hard trailer to top. This trailer topped it. And then you got a new dog. You got to have a dog. Of course, it's John Wick. 
God, I love this trailer. I have no idea where. And then he goes back to the desert. He goes, yeah, no, <laughs> come on. This looks fantastic. Anyway, Rob, you had a chance to see uh, to see this trailer for John Wick Chapter Four. What did you think about it, dude? I wish that for the rest of my life I could grow up every or get up every morning with this trailer or a trailer <laughs> like it. I mean, uh, what doesn't this movie have? The car, they don't just have one car. They've got a hundred cars, you know? And my favorite thing, I think, in the trailer was he's got the guy up against the wall and he's going bam, bam, bam with the headshots. Yeah. But then he pulls the knife. That's like one bullet's not enough. I have to shoot this guy in the head six times. And I've already got a knife in it. And I was just like this. I mean, look, I understand that, that it's a little over the top. Maybe a little, but the, you know, this world, the look of these movies, you think people are like, well, the new Fast and Furious movie costs $350 million for a Lionsgate franchise. This movie looks like it's the most expensive thing ever made. I, I, every shot, let's go to Europe. Let's go to the desert. Let's go. Let's have a hundred thousand extras all with weapons fighting. I mean, I, you know what the thing about the thing about this franchise is John it knows exactly what it is. It knows exactly what its audience wants. And it just gives it to us. Like, I can only imagine the writers and the, I don't know if who is, who's, um, is it Stolkeski Stulk, doing this? I'm not sure, to be honest. Okay. They must just, I mean, I can only imagine when, <laughs> I want to imagine Connery's walking into a room and the writers and the director's like, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> And he just sits there like a giddy little kid and they tell him all the things. And this means you're going to have to start your training tomorrow. And because, you know, he does, remember that video of him learning how to oh, shoot? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't even imagine how much fun Keanu Reeves has to be having making these movies because it's infectious. You look at this trailer, dude, and I'm like, I'm just like getting my belly. It looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Little Austin Powers reference there. I like yeah, that. I mean, but, but you know, the thing. You, you, you pointed out something that I, that I want to follow up on a little bit, because I think it makes a really, really good point is that, you know, they know what the audience wants to give them, but here's the problem. A lot of lesser filmmakers, we have seen this so many times, have an inkling of what the audience wants. And then, but here's the problem. Quite often, what the audience wants is not necessarily what will make the best movie, right? That's true. And so what we have seen so many examples of is filmmakers who go, well, the audience wants this. Let's just give them a lot of this without taking consideration how much of the st of storytelling and all that kind of stuff are we sacrificing to do it, right? We've seen that happen. Like Michael Bay, there was a couple of Transformers movies, and I love the first one. I love the first Transformers yeah. movies. But when you get into that, you can make the argument, like the second Transformers movie, which is one of the worst, he literally did in the second Transformers movie what a lot of people were asking for. When you actually go back and watch the second Transformers movie and then you cross-reference that with what every, all the fans are screaming they wanted, he actually put a lot of that in it. But it was just blind. Any fourth grade child can go, let's have ninjas cutting ahead. Blah, blah, blah. What the John Wick people managed to do is to take everything that they know the audience loves about this and then make sure that they incorporate great mythology, yes, a that, yes. compelling 
protagonist that we love and cheer for, constantly giving him the right motivation, introducing antagonists that we can perceive as a legitimate threat to our hero. Like they put all of it together in this bombastic package that not only has us like shaking with thrills when the movie's over, but having thoroughly enjoyed the story and the hero's journey at the same time. Dude, I totally agree with you. And also these movies look great. Yeah, the way they're shot and the way they're timed, the color grading in them, it, you just look. It just looks sumptuous. I mean, all the sets are sumptuous. The Continental is sumptuous. Everything about it, it has a, it it, it looks like in a way it's from the past, but also ultra modern, kind of at the same time. Yeah, and I just love it. And like you said, who knows who's going to show up in these movies? You oh, know, no, I mean, true. it's yep. like who are we going to put in these movies? everyone let's just get every and i do love the fact that you know it's like how does john wick get out of the dilemma that he's in from the end of three but i love this idea that somebody wants to fight him like there's always somebody who wants to prove they're the best i like that idea that that it, you you participate in single combat with this whoever this person is we'll let you go and and by the way you brought up fast and this is not a knock on fast but I, I almost guarantee you this movie probably costs 60% less to make yeah. than the Fast and Furious movie. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Did you have a chance to see the John Wick 4 trailer? If not, you've made bad life choices because you need to watch it. It's really, really good. What did you guys think about it? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's get into another one here. And we're going to stay on the topic of trailers here because a new trailer for Creed 3 uh dropped yesterday and we didn't it, it came out just after we had started the show yeah. so we didn't have time to talk about it now the creed franchise is one of those that when they first announced it i admit i was one of the guys that said this is a bad idea a rocky movie that's not focusing on rocky come on i mean come on let's all admit it that that's not a good sounding thing now, as we got close to the movie coming out sounded interesting michael b jordan being in it that's always appealing and then it was being directed by the dude who did fruitvale station it's like, okay, Ryan Coogler's doing it. All right, all right, let's see, let's see. And the movie was fantastic. Uh, Coogler didn't direct the second one. Uh, the director of Transformers Rise of the Beast directed the sec second one. Capel, I think that's his last name. Not as good as the first one, but no, still but quite entertaining. So I had a good time the whole following, the following up the Drago story and all that kind of stuff. I had a good time with it. I have some emotional apprehensions about Creed 3 just because I know all the bad blood that's now exists between Sylvester Stallone and Michael B. Jordan and the, the filmmaker. So it, there's a little bit of awkwardness there, true. But the trailers so far have looked good. This new one that came out, though, <laughs> this new trailer that came out looks fantastic. It looks, again, my Jonathan Majors is kind of ruling the world right now. That dude is a beast. Yeah. Like an absolute beast. And there's that line he says, I'm coming for it all. Like that whole thing, the drama of it, they they set up, even just in the trailers, they've set up great personal stakes. The, the It's not just, I'm a fighter, that's the guy who wants my title. They made it deeper, they made it more personal. That always ups the drama. I always say this, Rob, action without narrative purpose is just visual noise. Yeah. All right, I've said that for a lot of years. Action without purpose is just visual noise. Without narrative purpose is just visual noise. These trailers have been doing nothing but laying the narrative emotional purpose of everything. This Every punch that's going to get thrown has emotional narrative purpose and history behind it. And that always heightens action. This movie looks terrific. Dude. 
Still feel a little weird about the whole Sylvester Stallone situation, granted, but we're going to go in, we're going to evaluate this movie on its own merits, and so far looking good. What do you think about this trailer? Oh, uh, you know, uh, let's not forget that this is Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut. Yes, yeah. And, and I've always been a fan of his all the way back to The Wire and Friday Night Lights. I've been watching him on the talk show circuit. He's an incredibly articulate, very smart guy. And that, you know, for an actor, not that actors aren't incredibly articulate and smart, but he clearly has learned. He spent the last 20 years in the business as an actor, really, I think, learning how to direct, learning how to do this. And he, he talked about how he's a huge anime fan, like a big anime nerd. And he talked about how he brought in anime style, like punches. You know, when you see the close up of the whoosh, boom, the punches and like something like Dragon Ball or uh, and he brought those into the fight scenes and you can see it in the trailer. And I love the fact that, again, he's got an interesting point of view. I think he's going to. Kugler did the same thing in the first Creed, making these long takes on these fight scenes. I really love the way that there's one scene in the trailer where, like, his name, there's like a firework or something that explodes on these light mm. panels and it says Creed. And I'm like, there's just, I don't know why I like that so much. There's the way this was shot and the, the directorial choices that you can tell, even from the trailer, I love seeing new voices, new directorial voices that we're going to get. And based on this trailer and, and listening to him speak, I think we're getting going to get an exciting new young director out of this, including a, a great performance as an actor as well. Because, you know, director, actors, uh, the good ones have made some of the best movies ever made, like Citizen Kane. I'm not saying this is, I'm not equating Creed 3 to Citizen Kane, but I'm just saying I'm really excited for this movie because it seems to tick. I'm always talking about authorship. I think we're going to get, I think we're going to get something pretty special from this movie. And you know, Harloff did an out of the uh, trailer. He's seen it. He did an out of theater review and both him and Mark Ellis quite like this. So they really were, I'm excited. Yeah. The, the response I've been here have been pretty good. And now there's nobody in this room, maybe in this town that's more excited about Creed three than, yeah. than our own Ray Aura over here. Yeah. Ray, I saw, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask Ray, did, did you, you saw the trailer. I'm going to guess. What did you think about it? This trailer looks fantastic. I mean, the, the one thing about the Rocky series is that, it works because it's it gets with the modern times like it 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 up the production on the boxing to make it look more real sometimes the drama in the ring or outside the of the ring is more interesting than what happens in the ring sometimes and it looks like there's a lot of drama that happens outside the ring i mean he's calling creed what a coward a fake champion i mean he spent creed 1 trying to prove that he belonged in the ring Belo like wasn't a mistake now he has to prove to this guy, his friend from whatever. Childhood. Out, yeah. That he's not fake, that he wasn't just holding his spot. Man, there's a lot of drama here. That and, and all the boxing movies are the same. All the fight movies are the same. You build up and then you get to the ring thing or the, the octagon or whatever. Let's just hope it's all good, like even outside yeah. and in the ring. But I have no, no doubt that the in-ring stuff is going to be good. Like the Creed stuff stepped it up to a more real realistic take on boxing it's still exaggerated but you know I, I i love it i love it all all right guys question is for you are you excited for creed 3 maybe you're like me maybe you've got a little bit of uh, emotional baggage going into condoning like eh, there's bad blood between stallone and the franchise now and it's stallone's franchise maybe this trailer's so good it doesn't matter maybe you've never been a fan of the creed movies whatever you guys think jump down to the comment section below and let me know your thoughts all right guys 
With that down, let's do uh, one more off the top here, shall we? And that one is this. You know, in the era of the streaming wars, which we are now still in the very infancy of, we are often talking about, rightfully so, uh, the players such as Netflix, the players such as Disney+, Plus, the players such as HBO Max, or whatever it's going to be called, uh, coming up here <laughs> soon enough. One of the ones that we've kind of quietly overlooked a lot has been the one of Paramount+. Plus. And Paramount Plus has been making a lot of noise lately. Like, not only did they do they have shows like 1923 and 1883 and Tulsa King, which Tulsa King didn't end as strong as it began with, but I still like the show. But it was yeah. a ratings bonanza for Paramount Plus. Then, of course, it became this streaming home of Top Gun Maverick, one of the biggest films of the year. I mean, so they've been quietly making noise. Well, Maybe the noise hasn't been so quiet because according to a report now in Variety, Paramount Plus ended 2022 with, get this, 77 million streaming subs as Paramount Plus added 10 million new subscribers in the fourth quarter. 10 million new subscribers in the fourth quarter. Now, I'm just going to read a bit of this. Paramount surpassed 77 million streaming subscriptions in Q4, adding 10 million to Paramount Plus alone, reaching nearly 56 million customers on that platform exclusively. In comparison, the paid streamer added 4.6 million subscribers in the third quarter, reaching nearly 67 million global direct-to-consumer customers. During the fourth quarter, Paramount Global's SVOD launched splashy Taylor Sheridan titles such as 1923, yet another prequel to its hit Paramount series Yellowstone, and the Silver and the and the Sylvester Stallone-led Tulsa King, as well as Criminal Minds revival, Criminal Minds Evolution, and the streaming debut of Top Gun Maverick. So very quietly. In the shadows, while Netflix and Disney Plus and HBO Max have been duking it out, Paramount Plus has just kind of been adding subscribers, adding subscribers, adding buzz, and they've done so with a really interesting strategy of, instead of the Netflix way of, let's green light 73,000 things and put it just bleh, and just put it all on, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of great stuff on Netflix. I'm not bashing Netflix, but you know, it, let's make untold numbers of projects and just throw them on there in quantity. You've had Paramount that's been a little bit more selective. Let's put up what we consider to be premium offerings. A new Stallone series done by Taylor Sheridan. A, a new prequel series to Yellowstone. And then here's where their real ace up their sleeve came. We've talked a lot about in the past about what, and we, just yesterday, about what a brilliant decision it was to save Top Gun Maverick for the theatrical release. Because there was a lot of discussion going on about, well, we're in the pandemic, the movie's just sitting on the shelf, we should just put it out on Paramount Plus or just release it on streaming. And there's a contingent in Paramount that said, no, we got to hold, including Tom Cruise saying, no, we got to wait, we got to wait, we got to wait, let's just put it out in theaters. And it made them $1.4 billion in the theaters. And now they're enjoying the second part of that decision. Because it did 1.4 billion in the theaters, they then wait and then they they wait for it to become a global phenomenon, and then they put it on Paramount Plus. And part of the result of that is like 10 million new subscribers in the fourth quarter. So, listen, man. Again, I know we've been saying this a bunch lately, but for it feels like for a decade we've been talking about how Paramount is the one of the major studios that's really in trouble. Don't know if they're going to be around for another couple of years. Blah blah blah. I'll tell you what, man, they have been hitting success after success after success lately. Now, listen, Paramount Plus is still losing the money like all streamers are right now. 
but they're making some incredible leaps and bounds. And this is pretty good news for them. Anyway, Rob, you looked over this report. What stood out to you? Well, I think it's really good news. And, and you know, I, I mean, we want the business to be healthy and robust and to grow and to provide great entertainment. So I don't want any studio to fail. You know, I want their their endeavors to work out. And I'm, I've always been a fan of Paramount because that's obviously the home of Star Trek, but it's also the home of some of my favorite movies, movies like Chinatown and The Godfather and Hunt for Red October. And they have a great legacy and a great catalog. And I'm happy, you know, when that guy, I forget, is it Brian somebody who came in who directed, the director of Norbit, you know, right. the, but he came in and took a take over the studio. Um, and, and it was kind of a joke, you know, when he came in and I'm like, who is this guy to run a studio? Why is he running the studio? Bob Backish. Bob was it, but well, it's somebody else. Bob oh, Backus okay. is another. He's been there before. He was there already, but the new guy, because um, well, Bob Backus is the president and CEO. I see the president. Yeah. Maybe the guy I'm thinking of runs the motion picture division, but um, they're they're healthy, they're strong. You know, they're doing they're doing some really great things, and I think that the Taylor Sheridan stuff has really paid off for them. Obviously, Top Gun paid off for them, but they're making moves that are based on. They're not just throwing things out there willy-nilly and seeing what sticks. It seems to me that they have very targeted, very purposeful moves that they're making, and it's working out for them. And that, to me, is good business. I know you're not going to want to hear this part, but they also credit a lot of the new Star Trek stuff as being the, laying the foundation for, for the Paramount+. Plus. It's fine. It has well, its fans. It has its fans. Remember, they did bring all of Star Trek now onto Paramount+. Plus. Yes, that's all, all they're now. Yep, so they're, they're making it home for it. Anyway, guys... Question is for you. What do you think about this? Paramount's been making moves and they are just very quietly have been adding win after win after win and it's good for them. Will they get into the discussion here at some point with the HBO Maxes, the Disney Pluses, the Netflixes? Who knows? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's now move on to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for the show and you'd like to hear your voice on the show, go ahead and call it in at 951-268-4259. Leave your question there and maybe you'll hear it on the show. And we got a question today about uh, maybe somebody replacing Ezra Miller as The Flash. Listen up. Hey, John. My name is Sean, and I'm from Canada. My question is about the Flash film. I was wondering if you think at the end of the film, we will get a new actor to play the Flash. Like, I think by the end of the film, do you think Ezra will be around anymore? Will we see someone else in that place? Just a question. I wonder what you thought, and bring on the focus. All right. Thanks a lot, Sean, for calling that in. All right. So what is clear to me, and I, I think to anybody who's thinking straight, I mean, who knows what will happen, but... Ezra Miller's days as the Flash are done. That being said, most people, including myself, believe that that transition from Ezra Miller being Flash to somebody else being the Flash, whatever that iteration is going to look like under the new James Gunn and Peter Safran DC, will happen later. Right? That'll, that'll come later. However, there have been some people that have speculate and thought maybe that transition maybe happens in the movie in the movie itself and, and like sean is just asking here now could we by the end of the flash movie literally see a new performer in the role of barry allen aka the flash i have never thought so but 
I'm going to let you guys in on something. And this is something that, for the record, I do not buy into. All right? But I'm going to let you guys know about this just because it's fun for the topic of conversation. I've had a little bird told me, and I'm sure this little bird is also telling a few other people, so you're probably going to see this pop up over the next day or two around some other places as well. That, just a short version, Grant Gustin, who plays The Flash in the television series The Flash, is going to be the new Flash of the DC universe. Now, the what works for this theory, this rumor, if you will, and let's let's qualify it as a rumor. What goes in the favor of this rumor, there are a couple of things. Number one is this image you're looking at right here. That in the uh, CW, what do they call it? Uh, what was the name of the crossover event again? Crisis on, on Infinite Earths. Earth, right. Infinite Earths, yeah. So in that Crisis series, they had the two berries come face to face. So in the sense of a reality, they exist. They're there, right? Okay, so, so that was one thing. The second bit of anecdotal evidence that goes towards this rumor is that a little while ago, a couple of months ago now, Ezra Miller, even though the movie itself was done shooting ages ago, Ezra Miller was brought back in to do some pickup shooting. An argument could be made that that pickup shooting was directly to create a post-credit scene of Flash disappearing and the new Flash appearing as a result of Flashpoint or whatever. Again, I'm not saying that's what it is, but that, that is a bit of anecdotal evidence that maybe you could say works towards that. The third bit of evidence you could say that goes towards a theory that Grant Gustin is going to end up being Flash at the end of the Flash movie is the timing of the Flash season nine on CW. It just debuted in April, or I just debuted in February now, and it is scheduled to have its final 13th episode, I believe, sometime in late May weeks before the debut of flash in theaters coincidence well if you wanted to be the school principal or school teacher in the incredibles i think not so therein lies this and, and so there there's all that okay and listen on its surface i i can see somebody looking at all those three things they have shown that there are there are different versions of them and one could supersede the other in the universe. Second is that we know that Ezra did go in and do some reshooting, could have very well been for something like this. And third, the timing of the ending of the Flash series is just coincidentally coinciding very closely with the launch of the Flash movie. Okay. As I said at the beginning of this, I don't buy this. All right, let me be very, very clear. Right. I do not buy this. I, I don't think you're totally insane if you do because of those three things that we just mentioned. I think there's enough there that you could be forgiven for going, you know what, I think there's a chance here. Okay, I, I think there's something there that you could hold on to that. But I really don't think so. And my one main, well, I have two main reasons why I don't believe this theory. And again, I, I think you're going to start seeing it pop up because I don't think I'm the only one who got told this. The first is this. 
Why would you want to go backwards if you're James Gunn? If you're James Gunn and Peter Safran right now, you have the opportunity to create your DC universe that is modeled in your image, not a flash that we've had for almost a decade. Why on earth, if you were James Gunn and Peter Safran, would you want to go backwards like that when you can start fresh and have a clean slate and your own flash and your own story to tell? I just don't understand what would be the appeal to somebody like a James Gunn or a Peter Safran to do that. But the second main problem is this. And by the way, let me say off, right up front, one of the reasons I enjoyed The Flash for so long is because of Grant Gustin. I yeah. think he's a delightful performer playing that role. I think he's great in that role for the CW. Right. But here's the biggest reason why I do not believe this rumor going around. If you want to see Grant Gustin as The Flash, you can do so right now for free from the comfort of your home because he's on TV. Grant Gustin as The Flash is on TV right now. And they just had their season nine debut. The final season, season nine debut. Big ratings, right? Rob, give me an over and under on what you think the number of people who watched Grant Gustin as The Flash on the season nine debut, the finale debut. How many people watched it? 750,000. Less. Half a million. Wow. 512,000 people tuned in. Not 5 million people like a, a bunch of shows. Not 7 million people like some of the bigger shows. Half a million people tuned in to watch. Yeah. If you are James Gunn and Peter Safran, and you have somebody playing The Flash that anybody can tune in and watch play The Flash whenever they want, and only half a million people are tuning in to watch that? Come on. There, there's just no legitimate argument to make. And by the way, I say that as someone who's got a lot of love for Grant sure. Gustin. I think he's great. I can't wait to see what he does with his career post-Flash. But if you think now making this person's iteration of flash who nobody is watching on tv and you think you're just going to put them in the movie universe and all of a sudden everybody's going to want to watch it I, you gotta you're gonna have to explain to me why because i don't see it so i acknowledge the anecdotal evidence about why somebody might look at this and think maybe this could happen but i, I just think the arguments against it are way too strong anyway rob uh you've seen all this you've seen all the points of view on it what do you think about it? What do you think the chances are that Grant Gustin could be the new Flash, or why not? Uh, I think zero, and I think you laid out the arguments very well. I would add one more. If you're spending 150 to $200 million on a film, your lead actor has to have credibility in the motion picture space. Somebody has to be like, oh, I got to go see that. The Flash is front and center of that character. I mean, it, it fills the movie screen the whole time. Grant Gustin... Great as a, of an actor as he is, as you said, he's a television actor. And the fact is, if they're going to make another Flash movie and spend that much money on it, they have to give you a movie star. And the argument could be like, well, he's, you know, he's already been on TV. I'm like, he's not even on a huge TV show. Like you pointed out, half a million views. If, if, if they were pulling down 20 million views a week, I'd say, well, maybe there's a chance. I would say even if there was five, yeah. I would say maybe there's a chance. The fact is, I mean, there's still a prejudice. You still, when you're trying to get money for a movie, 
What is the first thing anybody asks you, whether you're an indie producer, who's in it? And if somebody doesn't like who's in it, if it doesn't sell foreign, like if people don't know who the foreign markets, if they don't, if they're not excited about who's starring in a movie or whatever, they won't care. And now a, a studio just couldn't make a flash feature film with Grant Gustin as the lead. They just, they couldn't do it. There's no justification. Nobody would let them. You're not going to spend 150 or $200 million on a movie that has an untried male lead to that. No one's that has literally no box office to his name yet. They'll never do that. Unless of course, I mean, you know, the argument can be made. Well, what about Superman? But the problem is we've seen him as the flash. He's played out that people are going to want to see a new flash in the movie, in the movies, somebody they haven't seen before. Because like you said, we have nine years of this, nine seasons. All right, guys. Question is for you. There are some rumors starting to go around that indeed the the, the Grant Gustin is going to be the Flash. I've heard it. I'm sure others have heard it as well. I, I get why you might think it. I just don't see how logically it could be the case, even though, I, like I said, I got a lot of love in my heart for Grant Gustin. I think the dude's great. But anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? What do you think would be the strongest arguments that Grant Gustin could be the next Flash? What do you think would be the strongest arguments against it? And how do you feel at the end of the day? Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comments section below. Then let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With all that down, we're going to take a quick moment here and thank a couple of the sponsors of our show here today. Our friends at ExpressVPN and BetterHelp. Guys, we want to take a second and thank a sponsor of this video, ExpressVPN. You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy, but choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I like to do research on my sponsors, and I only recommend brands to my listeners that I believe in, and I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market, and here's why. Number one, ExpressVPN doesn't log your activity online. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do this. They even developed a technology, Trusted Server, that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. Number two, speed. ExpressVPN now uses Lightway, a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. The last thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart is how easy it is to use. You don't need any technical skills to get set up. Just fire up the app and tap one button to connect. That's it. Even your grandparents could do it. And it's not just me saying this. CNET, Business Insider, The Verge, and many other tech journals rate ExpressVPN the number one VPN in the world. So protect yourself with a VPN that I use and trust. Use my link, expressvpn.com campia today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com campia to learn more. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Better help. When you're at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you know you can. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you because when you're feeling at your best, the challenges that life throws at you don't disappear, but you're more prepared to take on those challenges. Guys, you know I've been saying for a long time that we need to start prioritizing our mental health as much as we do our physical health. When we dedicate ourselves to going to the gym and looking after ourselves, we we see that as a great step forward for us physically. Well, it's time for us to start taking care of ourselves mentally as well. So if you're feeling it's time to give therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, 
flexible, affordable, and entirely online. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com Campia today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Campia. And thank you to our friends at ExpressVPN and BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into our main topics here today, shall we? And we're going to start off with this one. A lot of trailer stuff we're talking about today. We already covered Tetris, Creed 3, John Wick 4. There was another trailer that dropped yesterday, at least a teaser of a trailer, yes. if you will. And that is one for the upcoming Disney live action, Little Mermaid. Now, again, this it didn't give a lot away. Again, it just kind of, this new trailer just kind of showcased the freaking pipes on this little girl this this girl can sing this girl can belt and it, it sounds beautiful and all that kind of stuff but we got a little bit more glimpse of the visual styling you know whenever you got like an underwater movie i'm always really interested to see what kind of visual style they're going to try to use i remember when we watched aquaman i really liked the the visual style that they decided to employ for that then you look at something like uh, Avatar, The Way of Water, and the way they make underwater stuff look. And I saw this stuff, and it looked gorgeous. Yeah. It looked absolutely beautiful. And then the big thing. You get our first little peek at Ursula. And I'll tell you what. Look at those. You might bring that up again. Look at those eyes. I mean, this looks great. And then you hear a little bit of the voice and the, the cackle and all that kind of stuff. Now, look, I am not a Little Mermaid guy. Little Mermaid for me does not rank in my top 20 of my favorite all-time animated films. I know it's beloved by a lot of people. All due respect. That's great. I, I'm just not that. I, I think it's a perfectly fine movie, but I'm not big on it. But I'll tell you what, though. I, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that this little teaser piqued my interest quite a bit. I mean, at least, if nothing else, it's going to visually be gorgeous. But Disney live-action translations are a bit... See, that just looks playful and delightful. I love that. But Disney live-action translations of their animated classics are a little hit and miss, let's be honest, right? Yeah. Um, I was not a big fan of the... While I think she was great in it, Maleficent... The Maleficent movies, I don't think were all that good, to be honest with you. Even though Angelina Jolie was spectacular in the role, I, it just didn't quite work. On the other hand, you take something like their Cinderella, which I absolutely adore. You and I are, are huge Cinderella yeah, fans, too. I love dude. what Kenneth Branagh did with, love it. with Cinderella. That was fantastic. So then their Beauty and the Beast has their lovers, has their detractors. I mean, again, it, it's very hit and miss. Will... This Little Mermaid interpretation be one of those ones that really knocks it out of the park, like a Cinderella, or one of the ones that kind of swings and misses, kind of like Maleficent. Who knows? But with the little tastes we've had so far, I got to say, I'm, I'm quite enjoying what I'm seeing at this point. Rob, you had a chance to take a look at this trailer. What do you think about it? I, like you, I, I mean, the pipes, the singing was what yeah. struck me. But And I, I, I have to tell you, I like the way that she looks as Ariel. You know, and I, I won't make any, I'm not going to talk about why I like, Taylor could probably tell you, don't say anything. I'm a fan of the original. I like Little Mermaid. Redhead. Uh, okay. Redhead <laughs> say it. Uh, I just like, I, 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 but this looks, this looks wondrous, delightful. 
Uh, this is obviously the beginning of Disney's animation renaissance. So, you know, it was this and Beauty and the Beast that really brought them roaring back to life as an animation powerhouse. That was even pre-Pixar. So, I'm uh, to be honest, I'm I'm looking forward to this film. I want to see, I want to feel awe and wonder and Disney magic and hear those songs sung really well. And you know, I uh, I'm a fan. I think she I think she's a, a great mermaid. Oh, yeah, we're gonna have to see how it actually plays out. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really curious to see how the underwater look. I'm more of a of an Aquaman underwater kingdom guy than I am a, a Talacan underwater kingdom guy. I gotta say that in Wakanda Forever, I I did not feel the awe and wonder that I felt with the Talacan Empire that I felt in say Aquaman. Right. You know, I, I if you're gonna do underwater kingdoms, I want to go balls to the wall fantasy epic dudes on armored seahorses fighting dudes on armored <laughs> or not dudes could be amphibians or not fighting on armored you know give me that this and look to me sebastian is one yeah. of my favorite disney characters i want to hear him whoever the i don't know who's playing sebastian i gotta hear the song i gotta hear him talk he better he better convince me who's uh prince dick a lot who plays the the prince in this one prince i don't know i didn't recognize him but because wasn't it supposed to be uh Harry styles right yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I had heard. But which I I gotta tell you, after seeing uh, don't worry, darling, I'm kind of glad because Harry Styles he is no longer the prince, right? In this, he's no right, longer. He's not. I'm not sure who this is. Um, because I, I did I was not a big fan of Harry Styles in in that one film, but yeah, no. But I don't know. Well, we'll see. Like whether this will be good or not, who knows? I'm we're just talking about the teaser right now, and so far the teaser. I think it's a winner right now. I'm at least, yeah. it's piqued my interest. I think visually it looks gorgeous. Let's see how it turns out. Guys, question is for you. Did you have a chance to see this teaser? Probably going to get a full-length trailer out here pretty quick. What did you guys think about it? Whatever those thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to our next main topic here, shall we? And that one is this. You know, we just kind of mentioned Avatar The Way of Water. And a while ago, we mentioned that Avatar The Way of Water took home, a believe, a record number of nominations <laughs> at the Visual Effects Society, taking home 14 nominations, I believe it was. Well, the results are now in. We almost went to the Visual Effects Society Awards. Yeah. I was really, we were really seriously contemplating booking a table for us to go to the Visual Effects Society Awards this year. We didn't end up doing it because the table was $15,000. So yeah, we, we opted, you know, we decided from the wise thing to not do that. But Avatar The Way of Water cleaned up. And rightfully so. Setting a record for nine Visual Effects Society Awards, uh, including all the big, most major ones, basically making the table, setting up the table for Avatar to easily take home the best visual effects Academy Award uh, coming up next month. So this comes us from IndieWire, who says, James Cameron's Avatar The Way of Water swept the 21st annual VES Awards Wednesday night in an unprecedented wave of dominance in every category, winning nine of its record-breaking 14 nominations, including the top photoreal feature and the newest category, the Emerging Technology Award for its innovation of water tool sets. Although the prestigious Visual Effects Honorary Society comprised of 4,500 members in 45 different countries worldwide, it just goes on to talk about all that kind of stuff, uh, uh, Pinocchio, won a couple of things lord of the rings the rings of power uh won a couple of the big awards for television stuff on and on and on but the night belonged to avatar the way of water killing it at this thing robbie you know you and i've talked about this before 
Like, I think probably the number one, I might have to switch my my pick actually, because we talked about before, what is the number one automatic lock for the Oscars coming up? And I've said Kate Blanchett winning Best Actress. I still believe she's an automatic lock, but I think I got to switch the number one automatic lock this <laughs> year. It's probably going to have to be Avatar The Way of Water winning visual effects. What they did in this movie is staggering what they did visually in this film. And they did, you know, they, they in, innovated new techniques, new technologies, the likes of which we haven't seen a jump forward like this since The Phantom Menace came out. And it just looked flawed. There's a couple of moments when they're flying in the sky that maybe I thought I saw. I recognize a little bit of compositing. But I mean, look at this. I believe there's a freaking blue man coming out of the water. Oh, it's like it, I think the whale didn't the whale win an award. Like last night, the, the actual creation. Was he whale there? Award. Did he it accept it? No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> no, like the creation of a character, like a secondary oh, yeah, character in the yeah. water. Best I mean, the, whale. <laughs> only because that cracked me up. The whale won. The whale won. <laughs> the virtual whale won an award. I, I, I'll tell you what. This, I, it could, I, I'm, I'm really happy for it. It absolutely swept. It oh. completely deserves it. Anyway, Rob, you saw the results, and what do you think about it? Yeah, dude, it's astonishing achievement. I remember when I was working doing the special features for Superman Returns, I got like a two-and-a-half-hour dissertation on water effects because there's a lot of water effects, and they had created brand-new software. And, uh, you know, it was not one of the most scintillating conversations I've ever had in my life. But what was conveyed to me is how difficult water had been to create in CG up to that point. Water and hair. Water and hair and fire. I mean, there there was like, the remember the wave in uh, The Perfect Storm, the George Clooney? Oh, yeah. You know, there's that wave. And they could never get, and, and Superman Returns, they had this leap. When I was watching this movie, all I could think about was the water. Once they got to the beach and the water, all the water effects, I'm like, and I kept looking it looked like I was watching something that was filmed in a tropical environment. It it was so, and this is how they filmed it. It was so. It's this movie is so insane, and seeing it on a on a uh, give it all the awards. I mean, in terms of, and I understand they should spread them around, sure. But the astonishing achievement, and again, James Cameron is always doing the R and D for effects technology in the industry. He's done it all the way back to the abyss with the suit the water pseudopod yep. that goes through i mean he was the guy he which became the basis for the for the uh terminator yeah too. yeah absolutely and and he's he's did it again and look at there's there's kate winslet holding her breath for eight minutes <laughs> yeah that's that is crazy what they absolutely... i mean look at this this yeah. is under this is insane i remember watching this because i remember there's a fish back there <laughs> there's a fish back there when i was working in visual effects i remember that it was always fur hair that, that was always the big thing. Can you get that picture back up that you just had there, Jonathan? Uh, with, anyway. And that, that fish isn't even really there. <laughs> it's not even a real fish. That's, that's, the one. that's the one. Well, I remember like when shots like this were up, just because of my background, the reason my jaw was on the floor was I was fixated that's better. on the hair moving in the water. and I'm Because I'm just thinking like, if you could have showed us this back when I was working at Satellite Studios, we ne we wouldn't believe it. Like, we just wouldn't have believed it. Like, just the stuff they're able to do now is so, the detail, and oh my God, it's so freaking good. Anyway, congratulations to all the folks working over there uh, on Avatar The Way of Water, sweeping up an unprecedented nine of all the biggest awards 
uh, at the Visual Effects Society. It is a, basically a foregone conclusion that it will win only, uh, it will win the best visual effects of the Academy Award. By the way, also nominated for best picture there as well. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this? Maybe you don't think the visual effects are all that good in Avatar The Way of Water. It's okay. You're allowed to be a little bit crazy. Whatever you guys think, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's go on to another off the top. This is not off the top. Another main topic here, shall we? And that one is this. You know, in the world of animated films, we often talk about, obviously, the Toy Stories understandably the big disney films understandably but very quietly when some of the great animated films of all time come up you'll never hear the name how to train your dragon until somebody brings it up and then people go oh yeah all of the how to train your dragon films are great they're all great they and not just great animated films they're great films I have a soft spot in my heart for for movies about fathers and sons. You know, maybe that's one of the reasons why I love the, the original Kenneth Branagh Thor movie so much or whatever. But I love these movies. They have a way of making your heart smile. They're visually delightful. When he's, uh, what's the name of the dragon again? The, the Toothless. Toothless, right. Yeah. Like the scenes, especially in the first one, the visuals of them soaring through the clouds together are like awe-inspiring and just overwhelming you and they're great and now it's being reported that despite there being just a couple of rumors the last couple of years it's no it's official they are making a live action how to train your dragon movie and here's the kicker the original filmmaker of the animated films is coming in to direct write and produce these in live action and i'll tell you what I never would have thought of this before, but once I saw this news, my thought was, this is the perfect animated film to try to do in live action. I really do. More, more than most animated films, I think this is a perfect type of movie to adapt into live action. It, it's going to be expensive and going to be cheap to do. But you do this thing right, this could be visually astounding. You could do such incredible world building in here. Can you imagine seeing a flight of a thousand dragons up in the sky and something yes. like that? But just the scenes yes, I can. of, I mean, I don't know. You know what I'm seeing here? I'm seeing Timothy Chalamet riding that dragon oh, right yeah. now. That's, that, that's, that's what I'm seeing. Anyway, hmm. you've got these scenes, these aerial things, but also this connection. And then you get in, you know what? Gerard Butler can actually play the role of the father. Gerard Butler, of course, does the voice of his dad in the movie. You could actually have him play the father. This Look, I think this is a terrific idea. Will it translate well? Maybe not. You know, not, not all animated. We just talked about this. Not everyone can be Aladdin because the Aladdin translation was fantastic. Sometimes they turn out to be Maleficent or something else like that. But I'll tell you what, if, if there is a great movie to try to do a live action interpretation of, I really do think this is the one to do it, and I've got a lot of hopes for it. And I think it's going to make a lot of fans of the original films very, very excited to know that Dean is going to be actually coming in to write, direct, and produce these things too. Uh, that's going to give a lot of comfort to people going to bed tonight. Anyway, Rob, you hear about this. Do you like the idea of trying to do a How to Train Your Dragon live action? Uh, look, as you said, this is a great franchise. I actually own, uh, I still am a fan of Home 3D. I own the first, I own, I think the first one in 3D. Blu-ray 3D, and the 3D on this film is incredible. Everything about this franchise is delightful, and the fact that they're bringing the actual creator, because look, even though they're going to do a live-action film, 
a lot of this is visual effects and a lot of this you have to have that kind of understanding to pull it off it's a great move to do this you know when they made when disney made uh lion the witch in the wardrobe they brought over andrew adamson the director of the shrek movies to <laughs> to do the to do the to do the the film and it really because there were so many animated creatures and a lot of the characters were like the centaurs were half live action and half animation so you needed somebody who really could wrap their heads around how to do all that and it really makes sense i mean i think this is this is a huge move and i think this movie is going to be something special i mean this goes right to the top of the fantasy films I'd get excited about, only because I think they, they made the right choice to get the director who already proved himself three previous times to do a live-action version. It's great. You know, it, it's funny, too, because this was one of those films, this is one of those franchises, the third one ended perfectly. Yeah. Like, with, with them going off to find the... Like, it, it was a perfect ending. Every film felt like you were back home in that world, yet had a new, fresh story to tell. It continued to evolve. This this is the key relationship here. It continued to evolve this relationship, the relationship between the father and son as well. I mean, I, I love these films, and I'm so excited that they're doing this. It's a big roll of the dice, because there are a million ways, Rob, that this could go bad. Yes. This could go bad a lot of different ways, but I love that Universal is going to take a swing at it. I'm excited to see it. Guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? They are going to be making a live action adaptation of How to Train Your Dragon. I personally think this is a great idea. Can't guarantee it's going to work. Never can. But I think if you're going to roll the dice, this is a pretty good one to do it with. How do you guys feel about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do one more main topic here today, shall we? And that one more main topic is this. You know, the other day, Patrick Stewart kind of made some waves hmm. when he was being interviewed and he was asked directly about the possibility of him maybe popping up in Deadpool 3, considering how, you know, the relationship that him and Hugh Jackman have, the obvious great relationship between Professor Charles Xavier and Logan and how great their chemistry was together in Logan. And Patrick Stewart, with a little bit of a wink and a smile, said, I've been told to stand by. And that's all he said. I've been told to stand by, which is as close as you can get, I suppose, to confirming that he's going to be in the movie without actually confirming he's going to be in the movie because, you know, by the literal letter of the law, he did not confirm he's in the movie. But he came as close as he could by saying that. Well, that brought up a lot of people, even in our own chat boards, asking, well, what about Ian McKellen as Magneto? Well... Patrick Stewart's kind of hinting a little bit at that, too. This comes to us from the folks over at CBR, and they wrote the following. They said, this is Patrick Stewart talking. He goes, I can't say about what Charles's future might possibly hold, Stewart said during a sit-down interview with Entertainment Tonight. The actor who recently reprised the X-Men role in Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness did share that his close friend and X-Men co-star Ian McKellen had seen his cameo in Doctor Strange and offered a favorable review. Actually, it went very well. He did say something like, hey, I would have done this. Yes, that's true. But we're not done. Sir Ian and myself, we've got plans. So in talking specifically about returning and playing Professor Charles Xavier, Ian McKellen saying, hey, I would have done this here. and Why wouldn't this? That's true. But we're not done. Sir Ian and I, we have plans. All right. The first thing that's got to be said here is clear. 
there are some headlines like this one here. Patrick Stewart all but confirms Magneto and Professor X's MCU arrival. Okay. The one thing we should point out is that in saying the literal words, we are not done, Sir Ian and myself, we've got plans. He did not say we are going to be in Deadpool 3. He did not say that their plans involve being in the MCU. For all we know, we know, like, if you, if you guys have ever seen the pictures of Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen traveling around London and going to pubs, some of the best pictures you'll ever see in your life on the internet. These guys are very, very tight, close friends. They literally could be talking about doing a two-man Broadway show together. Going to Aruba yeah, on vacation. Yeah, yeah we got to, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to, you know... <laughs> We're going to go to the red light district and, and, and whatever that, that country is. We got plans, right? It could be about anything. However, in defense of the places running the headlines and all that kind of stuff, they were specifically talking about the MCU at the time. Yeah. And specifically talking about the fact that, you know, talking about his role in the MCU. He's just coming off saying that I've been told to stand by. He said, I can't tell you what the future plans of Professor Xavier are. And then saying, we're not done. We're not done. We got plans. So listen, I think it's forgivable if you interpret this as him saying that him and Magneto are going to be in there because I am in your camp, actually. This is one of those times that I actually kind of believe that, too. Now, do we know that for a fact? No. Did Patrick Stewart explicitly say that's the fact? No, he didn't. But I'm with those of you who believe he was kind of pointing towards that they're both going to be in there. And I, I will tell you what. Ian McKellen... As great as Michael Fassbender was as Magneto. And, and he was. He's a great Magneto. There's no replacing Ian McKellen. I mean, Ian McKellen, to me, is he's my headcanon Magneto, right? As much as I love Michael Fassbender playing the role, too. Um, oh, look, look at that. Come on. That is a guy who is not here to play, right? So the, the idea of seeing Magneto walk into a shot in Deadpool 3, even if it was once. Man, I'll tell you, it's enough to get your blood going, man. It is enough to get your blood. To see Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen together one last time in something, because what other movie would be, look, I mean, look at that. This is one of my, this is, there's a few single shots that I really want to at some point get really high-res captures of and make really big posters and hang them in my thing. This is one of them. This is one of them. And that is just fantastic to see them together again on screen. And if there's a movie where you can actually do it for and it makes sense and it doesn't stretch the realms of believability too much, it's going to be a movie like Deadpool 3. Yeah. So I would love this. Again, take it with a grain of salt that he did not explicitly say this, that, and the other thing. But I think he meant that they were both going to be in it. And I love the idea. Rob, what do you make of what Patrick Stewart said. How do you interpret it? And do you think ultimately we're going to see these two at least make an appearance in Deadpool 3? Look, obviously the two of them together, we've seen their social media presence. They like to have fun. And I think that Patrick Stewart has finally sort of made peace with the idea that he's done these big franchise properties and that coming back, maybe even for a small role, is still worthwhile and still fun. You've got Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds together probably making phone calls. Hey, guys. Why don't you come over for a couple of days? Like, who's going to say no to them? You know, it's they've got Hugh Jackman now, too. And look, I think that the one thing about Deadpool 3 is knowing Ryan Reynolds now and seeing that he's put this together, I think the mandate is make this movie as wacky and fun and enjoyable and over-the-top and, and killer and insane as you want. 
within reason. And I think that we're going to get, I, I, this is going to be the most Deadpool, Deadpool movie ever. And, and I, I mean, <laughs> like that, this is going to be peak Deadpool. And of course he's going to pull out all the stops because that's what Ryan Reynolds does. The one thing about Ryan Reynolds is you got to give him credit is that he is very in tune with what's fun and what his audience, what he can do to you. He's always playing to the audience and he does it so well. Look at the relationship he has with his wife on social media. Oh yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're, great. they're, they're great. And, but, but at the same time, he also wants to make a great movie that the audience won't get enough of. He'd be the first guy to be like, yeah, man, let's get Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen to come back. Cause why not? I mean, what would be really, I can see it now. It'd be Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, they're at each other's throats, and Wolverine and Deadpool stop being at, at their at each other's throats, and they're like, "Gentlemen, I can see them walk in and stop the fight, or something like that." You know, it'd be whatever it is. It's gonna be great. You know, it's fun. I too. totally believe that they're gonna be in this movie. I, I, am like, hey, now I'm starting to write my own script in my head, which is always dangerous for a fan <laughs> to do. Shouldn't do this, but I can totally see like where Professor X and Magneto are there because they're there to try to stop. Deadpool and Wolverine from doing something. And like you get Deadpool and Wolverine, two of the deadliest characters in the MCU. And Wolverine's like, oh yeah, Bob. And Magneto's just like, flick. Because he's all out of mention, right? <laughs> and every time Deadpool tries to take a step, Magneto or Professor Hostess is like, gee, and just makes him pass out every time he wants it. Every time he takes a pass out, pass out. I mean, I would love to see that. I think that would be so much fun. Uh, that would be fun. Now, again, I, it's I'm doing dangerous things of writing my own script in my head. So let's let's get over that. Anyway, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Patrick Stewart is saying, yeah, me and Neil McKellen, we ain't done in talking about, you know, different things. Do you think specifically he was talking about the MCU? <laughs> maybe make a turn. I mean, some people are even thinking maybe they're talking about Secret Wars. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I think they're focusing on Deadpool Both. 3. What do you guys think about this? Would, would it be fun to see it? Do you think it might be too silly to see it? I don't know. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we are now going to open up the Super Chats and take your live comments, questions, thoughts, opinions, whatever you guys want to say. This is your chance to fire it all on in. Uh, do so relatively quickly. You only leave the Super Chats open for just a little while, so go ahead and do that now. But before we get to your thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions, we're going to take another quick second here and thank a couple more sponsors of the John Campus Show, our friends at Manscaped and the aforementioned Ryan Reynolds' own Mint Mobile. Hey guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Manscaped. Breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right, they are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using the code CAMPIA for 20% off and free shipping. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. You also get the beard shampoo and conditioner. Because guys, you got to remember that all of your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head. Next, the kit has Manscaped's beard oil. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath. You then cap it off with the beard balm that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three special gifts. A beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. 
So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAMPIA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CAMPIA. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. You guys know I made the switch over to Mint Mobile a while ago. The process couldn't have been easier and I can't believe that I am spending less than a third of what I was spending on one of the other major carriers before. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in minutes with eSIM. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia that's mintmobile.com slash campia cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at manscaped and of course my mobile service provider mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show remember guys when you check out and support our sponsors you're actually supporting us so make sure you go down in the description right near the top you'll find links and the promo codes to all of our sponsors of today's show and thank you again to Manscaped and Mint Mobile. All right, guys, with that down, let's get on to your live comments and questions you guys have been sending in. Rob, what do we got up here first? John, what we got up here first? Well, Jared Clark sends in a super chat, so thanks, Jared. Nerd on Film says, loved the Warriors homage in the Wick trailer. Yes, there was a little bit of that. Was the, it come the, out in? The Warriors. All I think about is come out in. Play. Yeah, no, there was there was some Warriors elements oh, in okay. the trailer. I dig that. Pretty cool. All right, what's next? Um, Matt Sanders says, hey, I saw Ant-Man yesterday, and it's truly a sci-fi movie. Jonathan Majors' as Kang is great, better than the reviews. By the way, Matt sends a, in like a yeah. $20 super chat. Thank you for that, Matt. Well, listen, as of right now, uh, as I go over and look, as of this exact moment, Ant-Man and the Wasp sits at a absolute perfect 50%. Nice. It is literally the definition of a coin toss. <laughs> half of the critics like it, half of them don't. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see. Of course, Ray, myself, and Anne, we're going to go watch it this afternoon after uh, the show is done here today. And uh, I'm hoping I love it because I'll tell you what, I'm not going to lie to you guys. With the, I, I talked about this on uh, Open Mic yesterday. With the exceptions of a few things that have been spectacular in Phase 4, Shang-Chi, Ms. Marvel, WandaVision, uh, and, and some things I've liked but didn't love, I'm not gonna lie. the The Marvel magic has waned, it you know ever since the end of Endgame. Ah, Spider Man No Way Home isn't my favorite Spider Man movie, but it still had that Marvel magic. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and a couple of things have too, but overall, so I'm hoping it's good because I really like Ant Man a lot. I do too. I like Ant Man a lot, man, and so I'm I'm hoping I like it. But hey, check for our out of theater review a little bit later today. Hey, quick thought too about the John Wick thing. Am I crazy? Was that the Sopranos song that was playing during the John Wick thing? Was that a rendition of the opening theme to Sopranos in that trailer? I, I don't know. 
I and I got the guys in the live chat. Maybe if you know, you can let us know too. Anyway, all right. What's next? Uh, BJ sends in a super chat and says, "Grant Gustin, I would sooner believe Hayden Christensen is the next Flash." Laugh out loud. Well, I mean, hey, the one thing you can say is Grant Gustin has played the Flash for nine seasons. Yeah. You know what percentage it is of TV shows that make it to nine seasons? Small. Yes. Very small. Oh, by the way, everybody in the live chat is saying, yes, that was the a rendition go. of the Sopranos thing. I, I love that. All right. What's next? Sub McShave says, over or under 40%, Magneto and Professor X will have different ethnicities from one another in the MCU. I could see Donnie Yen as Professor X. He's turning 60 and may want to diversify. I'm going to say over 40. Like, I, I won't say 60, 70, or 80, but I'd go over 40, uh, mostly because, I've said this before, I'll say it again, the ethnicities of both Professor X and Magneto, now that we are far enough away from the, um, from the concentration camps yep. and, and the World War, that it's practical to make that a part of his background anymore. Um, the ethnicities of either of them are not even remotely important so now if they were making x-men again 20 years ago like if it was 20 years ago we're making x-men again i'd say you got to keep that the, the jewish heritage of magneto yep but now that that the concentration camps can't it's be a part of the story away. now you've got to come up with another the key thing about magneto is that magneto has seen and experienced the worst of humanity so what can that be now? We often talk about like the genocide in Rwanda and, and things like that. And so maybe does necessitate, again, I don't think it's a 60 or 70% chance, but I'll say over 40. What do you think? I think so too. I mean, it really doesn't matter. Uh, it would be interesting to, to shake those up. I mean, look, I Donnie Yen and Denzel Washington. It's Professor X Magneto. I'll take it. Yeah. That'd be great. Now, somebody in the live chat uh, puts up, uh, I think it was... Um, Saporera says, as long as Charles comes from a place of privilege, that is, that's a key uh, thing too. Uh, yeah, I yeah. completely agree. Whatever his ethnicity is, one of the key factors, two key factors for Charles, he's got to come from a, a place of privilege. Eric has got to come from a place where he has seen and experienced the absolute worst in humanity. Yep. You got to get those two things. The ethnicity of them doesn't really matter. Totally agree. All right. What's next? Uh, Rock Solid says, I have hoped to see Jay Garrick in the flash. Eh. I don't really care. I mean, here's an interesting thing, though. That becomes like characters like Jake, uh, Jake Garrick, Wally West, things like that. These are characters you can get into later on. Yeah. Um, I just want to kind of see them focus on I mean, this I could, particular story. I could see Jay Garrick appearing in this Flash movie in some quick, quick pop cameo as he's traveling through the multiverse. Yeah, maybe. You but know. then, then is there really a purpose for it? I I don't know. Yeah. All know. right, what's next? Raymond Verada says, Star Trek Picard season three just premiered, and it's a love letter to the next generation. You already mentioned about Paramount Plus and Patrick Stewart, and I, I don't talk about Star Trek. Stop censoring, and don't talk about Star Trek. Stop censoring Star Trek. Well, Raymond, I do talk about it a little too much, to be honest. It's not censorship. It's really just about me shutting the F up. I Listen, I... <laughs> I'm, like last night, Ann and I, we had plans with friends last night. So we were not in there. We, I have not watched Star Trek Picard. And I, okay, no, look, I didn't love Star Trek Picard season two. Right. I did quite enjoy season one a lot. So I've been looking forward to this, uh, but I haven't had a chance to watch the first one yet. But I will uh, endeavor to make sure I do that later tonight after I see uh, Ant-Man and the Wasps. It is, look, I will say, it, for those of you who are watching it, it really has a satisfying 
unrolling. Mm. It is a mystery that that builds upon itself episode after episode, and, and and it is quite compelling. I mean, this just kind of sets the table, but it's really, really good. All right, what's next? Uh, Al Renshaw says, is he dead? John Wick, I must shoot him six more times in the head to be sure. <laughs> I love this John Wick 4 trailer so much. I loved that shot. Where First of all, the guy already looks like he's pretty much almost dead as he's kind of like hanging over the back of John Wick. And I turn around, bah, 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 bah. it's just something more visceral about it that just totally worked for me. And then even after totally you worked. kill somebody four or five times in the head, you still pull the knife out of him just to make sure. Hey, man, you, good knife. You can't let it go to waste, right? Reduce, so reuse, much. recycle, my friend. All right, what's next? Sufius says, imagine Deadpool and Logan going up against a Kang variant and getting their asses handed to them because they suck at teamwork and just bad-mouthing each other. I mean, you could do something like that, but it wouldn't have to be a Kang. As a matter of fact, I don't think a Kang variant would work very well in a Deadpool 3. Like, that's where you need something like a Juggernaut. Not, that, not Juggernaut yeah. specifically, but somebody like that. Maybe Omega Red or maybe... Some kind of character like that. That that would be a lot of fun. That'd be that would be fun. I'd love to see a big burly version, a new version of Omega Omega Red, yeah. more comic accurate. All right, what's next? Uh Micah Ravga? I'm sorry about bulls just destroyed your name. Just destroyed it. Where do you guys predict Shang-Chi will appear next in the MCU? It's a billion dollar question to me because, you know, I, I love that. I think I personally think Shang-Chi is a top five MCU film. Um, honestly, I'm thinking we don't see him again until Kang Dynasty. I, 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 would, I really want to see yeah. him before that. I think we see him as a uh, uh, after credit on the Marvels. Really? Oh, because of the because of the rings. Oh, yeah. Because the yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah. But I mean, he could theoretically pop up anytime in a post credit. But when is he actually going to have a role in the MCU again? I'm I'm thinking maybe not. To, unfortunately, until uh, Kang Dynasty. Dude, I watched a trailer yesterday of this romantic comedy tragedy that Simu Liu is in, called Barbie. No, he's in that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> is that going to be a tragedy here? Uh, guy, guy gets married to girl. Guy goes to Alaska to work. Guy goes down in a plane crash. Everyone thinks he's dead. Girl Walt falls in with falls in love with Simu Lu. They have a great life. She's gonna marry him. Dead guy comes back. Didn't actually die. A la Tom Hanks in yes, Castaway. Castaway. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Who does she marry? Who does she stay with? I'm like, by the end of the trailer, I'm like, oh, it looks really good. I'm totally Simu Lu. How can you? How can, I was looking at him. I'm like, how do you not go? Oh, I don't know what the movie's called, but I'll watch it. All right, what's next? Uh, Luis Enrique de la Peña says, have the fan topic emails been shut down? Uh, have I'll a great day. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about that uh, over the week. I, I have been experimenting this week about not using um, the email submitted topics, but I will talk more about that. If you are one of the John Campia channel members, I'm going to be doing a town hall uh, probably early next week to talk about that, but I have been experimenting with it right now. I'll get more into it with our channel members next week. All right, what's next? Uh, Al Renshaw says, I remember Schnepp crapping on the idea of a Tetris movie back in the AMC Collider days. John, you remember that? You want to make a movie about shapes? Remember that? Yeah. I want to make a movie about shapes. I like shapes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, of course. It, it, conceptually, it sounds ridiculous. You're gonna make a movie about Tetris, but hey, I, I'll I I am somebody who I am big enough, 
to reevaluate my position on things when new stuff is presented to me. And this trailer sold me. I, I want to see this now. This could be great because it's not it's not really about Tetris. It's about how did this come to be? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I I don't know. Well, now if they were making a Tetris movie where with talking animated right. shapes. Well, that's what around, I thought at first. You know, so did but, I. You know, so I did I. Well, we're falling again. All right. What's next? Jai uh, C uh, S C sends in a super chat and says, "John, your hypothesis of TV series actors going theatrical generally underperform is often proven to be correct. How does the upcoming HBO Lantern series avoid this fate, or is it destined to be TV only?" Well, I mean, see, here's the thing, Jai C S C. It's it is a changing paradigm, right? For the for the longest time, and I can't remember. It might have been Scorsese that said it once, but. For the longest time, it was absolutely true. It was extremely difficult for television actors to, tra for the longest time, to transition over to becoming a legitimate movie star. You could count on your 10 fingers for decades the number of actors who successfully were able to transition. Uh, Tom Hanks was one of them. Uh, Michael J. Fox was one of them. Out of the entire cast of Friends... Maybe one of them was able to do it. George Clooney was able to go from, um, what's it called? ER? No. ER, yeah. Was it ER or was yeah, it was one it, of the other no, ones? No, it was ER. ER. Was able to transition for that. But it was very, very rare. Like one succeeded where a hundred would fail every time. And Martin Scorsese once said something along the lines of, it's just, it's audience behavior, right? When you're an audience and you're used to seeing an actor every week for free on your TV, why would you pay money to go see them in a movie? Whether or not that was justified, there was truth to it at the time. Yeah. Today is different. Today, television has become much more prestige art now. Although I think it's easier for movie stars to go back to TV. Yes. But I think that has opened the door. See, you're yeah. absolutely right. What prestige television has done is that it has opened the door for movie stars to feel comfortable going and doing television but even it just going that way it has thinned the veil between the two and now you can get a big star in a in a breakout series who is now able to transition over a lot easier today than it was before so how that will come into play with like dc's plan and marvel's plan to introduce characters in their television shows and then want to break aka ms marvel Debuted her in television. Now they're bringing her into the Marvels. We'll see how that works. It's going to be interesting to see. But again, the era now is different than it was even just like six or seven years ago. Right. And Marvel has it's got its own conduit. You yeah, know? exactly. So. so we'll see how that works out. I think the jury's still out on it. All right. What's next? Uh, Fifi says, imagine if Professor X and Magneto are Deadpool 3 antagonists. I can't see them being the antagonists. Yeah, I can't either. Unless they are well-intentioned antagonists. Like, if, if, if they painted the picture that Magneto and Professor X are clearly right and Wolverine and Deadpool are just like, F that, we're going to do what we want to do anyway. Right. Maybe other than that, I can't see them making them the antagonists. All right, what's next? Spencer Nelson says, watched In the Mood for Love for Valentine's Day. Damn, maybe my favorite film ever now. Sorry, Star Wars. Look, man, Wong Kar Wai is one of my favorite directors of all time, and that film, I hope you watch the new 4K Blu-ray that Criterion put out because it is beautiful. A little steamy, too. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right, what's next? 
Uh, Victor Garrity says, I wouldn't be surprised if Grant Gustin is in the Flash as a cameo, but I don't see him being the new DC Universe Flash. I mean, I also would not put money against the notion that Grant Gustin could pop up as a cameo. After all, they did it for having Ezra Miller pop up as a cameo in the TV show. I could totally see that happening, no problem. But it is completely, again, for the Wizard of Oz reference, a horse of a different color to say Grant Gustin will be the new Flash. I just can't see that happening. All right, what's next? Uh, Klein Saulnier says, game day. Game day. Love y'all. I mean, listen, I'm nervous about the critic reviews, but it's still Ant-Man. Yeah. It's always a special day when you're a movie fan when a brand new Marvel movie is opening. 100%. And uh, as bummed out as I am to see that the literally the critics are completely split on this movie, I'm still excited to go see it today. I'm sure Ray's going to love it. All right, what's next? Uh, Peter Cunnington says, saw Winnie the Pooh, blood and honey. I can't even understand what I just saw. <laughs> All right. Uh, I did not go see it, but I, I took the opportunity a little bit earlier to look up some of the critic reviews. Now, as of right now, uh, Winnie the Pooh is holding a respectable 80. Oh, I'm sorry. That's eight. Eight percent on eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes uh, at the moment. Um <laughs> I love what IndieWire wrote. The script makes an enormous amount of what can charitably be described as narrative compromises to make all the violence fit into a world that doesn't feel remotely coherent. Um, the Variety writes, a rock-bottom joint that fails to meet even the most basic expectations set up by this concept by its own conceptual gimmicks. Uh, let's see. Slash Film wrote, uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is a humorless bloodbath that does nothing interesting in its premise. Uh, not great. Our own, we sent our own correspondent, <laughs> Taylor Gonzalez, who's been dying to see Pooh, Blood and Honey, mm-hmm. who sat down with, uh, I think, the director of the film, the it actor of the film, the, the composer cinematographer, of the film. It was the composer and it was the actor who plays Winnie the Pooh. I saw it at the Regal at LA Live last night. I actually got to interview the composer, Andrew Scott Bell. He was so nice and generous with his time. And he let me hold, there's a beehive violin. It's a violin that was in a beehive for two years. And it has like honeycombs on it. He let me hold it after the interview and it was all sticky. Um, but the movie itself, I I know. I got honey on Yeah, myself. sure. Really that's why it was myself. sticky. Yeah, that's yeah, what honey. I told you. But you guys oh, no, it. no. It's been in a beehive for two years. Sure. <laughs> I had so much fun with the movie, and there was a Q&A after. And the craziest part to me was after I did my interview, after I introduced myself to everyone, they were like, hey, what are you doing after this? And I was like, I don't know. And they're like, you want to go get drinks? And I got drinks. I was at a bar with Winnie the Pooh last night, and I got – it was at Yard House. They have, like, these giant – I think they're called, like, yardsticks of – uh, honey blonde beer. It was oh, it was like a dream thing. come true, you guys. <laughs> well, there you go. Somebody, oh, bother. somebody had a good time watching Pooh Blood and yeah, Honey. Man. All right, what's next? LeBron James Earl Jones <laughs> says one video I go to the most is Schnepp ranting about a live action Tetris trilogy. <laughs> Shapes. That is one of the greats. It's one of the Schnepp, greats. Schnepp clips of all time. That one was really really good and so appropriate today. All right, what's next? <laughs> Uh, Nash Sanadiki says, Rotten Tomato, why does it exist? It's incredible. Listen, I I get it. People think they sound cool by going, oh, who cares about Rotten Tomatoes? Rotten Tomatoes actually serves a really great function. And the funny thing is, I find still today, 
a lot of people completely do not understand what Rotten Tomatoes does and how it does it. I, I think my next little editorial explainer video that I'm going to do is on the five big misconceptions people have about Rotten Tomatoes and how it works. Because what it does is actually very functional, very informative. And if you understand how to look at it, interpret it, uh, there's a lot to glean out of it. But I, again, people, it is... It is the cool thing to bash. Oh, who cares with this? Okay, I get it. You think you're cool, but it actually is pretty damn important. And I'm going to make a video, but going to the reasons why. Now, there are also some people that overstate the importance of Rotten Tomatoes. Absolutely. And we're going to go into that too. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, I just find a lot of people <laughs> misunderstand what Rotten Tomatoes is and how it works. All right, what's next? Uh, Al Renshaw says ron swanson is my spirit animal yep. swanson has provided many truthisms on the show especially about food he's wrong on cats though i do love his thing on cats any dog under 50 pounds is a cat and cats are useless <laughs> that's great also one of my favorite lines of his he goes somebody help me write this take take down this uh, letter for me to canada dear canada fuck you <laughs> ron swanson is one of the greatest television characters of all time. Like, just if you guys are not down with Parks and Rec, and God, you've never seen Parks and Rec. I've seen that. I've seen a few. Of. You've seen a few. Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, it is. I think it is. I think it's superseded um, both The Office and Seinfeld for me as my favorite sitcom of all time. I, I, I just, God, I love that show. And Ron Swanson is absolutely one of the greatest characters ever, ever created on television. All right, what's next? Uh, Tim Platt says, Rotten Tomatoes can say whatever they want. I love Man of Steel, and that's in the 50s. Bring on Quantum Mania. Game day! Game day. Again, uh, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes doesn't actually say anything about, again, misconception. Rotten Tomatoes actually doesn't say anything about Man of Steel. But again, that was just reflective of, of what moviegoers as a whole felt, right? Because whenever I bring up on this show how awesome Man of Steel is, I am met with a litany of Man of Steel sucks. Like, and, and I get it. That's, that's fair. All film is subjective. Not everybody appreciated the work, the masterpiece that is that movie. But hey, it is. That's why the art is so fantastic, man. All right. What's next? Oh, did we finish? Okay. Uh, Dot One says a game I'd love to see in live action is Kingdom of Hearts or Kingdom Hearts. Have you ever heard of it? I've, I've heard Kingdom of Hearts all the time. I have never played it, and I have never seen anybody play it. It's all the Disney characters. Yeah, but I have no idea what it is. Yeah, I... I like I, Super Smash Bros., I know what that is, right? right? But I don't know what Kingdom Hearts is. I, I don't know what the rights would be like if you tried to make a Kingdom Hearts movie. Mm. It might be very expensive. All right, what's next? Uh, Justice Sub 32 says, What show did you guys feel went on for too many seasons? Velma. X-Files. Lost. Flash. Says Velma. <laughs> Heroes. <laughs> Uh, Velma. Flash. Flash is a great example of a show that I really like that just hung around too long. Just a bit too long. Yeah. All right. What's next? Predominator. Uh, pre Predminator. Pre pre Predminator? Pre not Predominator. Predminator. Uh, did you guys hope they released, <laughs> did they re-release Terminator 1 next year for its 40th anniversary? I get it now. <laughs> I'd love to see the Terminator on the big screen for its 40th anniversary. No one's going to go see it, though. They won't. No, I, I, I don't think they it. will. I mean, plus, it it doesn't look that good anymore. Yeah, and, and by the way, it's it's 
clearly not the best Terminator movie. Terminator right. 2 is clearly the yeah. best Terminator movie. Plus I was, love the first Terminator, I do, but I, I don't think you're going to get an audience go to see it at a re-release. And the first Terminator was done at a, a very low budget. Yeah. And it, it looks low budget. And that was its charm, I think, when it came out. All right, what's next? Uh, Michael Serta says, do you think every solo Deadpool MCU film will be R? I have a theory that towards the end of Deadpool 3, there'll be a gag where he will have to sign a contract that he has to convert to PG-13. No, I think every... And by the way, when I say every, I have a feeling there's going to be two of them. Because let me be very, very clear here. Ryan Reynolds has told me nothing. I don't know that Ryan Reynolds is going to want to play Deadpool for a lot longer. This is the thing. They just had, I think, their fourth child. And again, congratulations to him and Blake Lively. They had just had their fourth child. Um, he has vastly been expanding his business interests. And the amount of time, energy, and effort that goes into making these Deadpool movies, not to mention just the time, energy, and effort he needs to put into keeping the physical shape that he's in. I don't know how long he wants to play Deadpool. And he's 46 now. Right. So I don't know. I mean, you look at him, you still think this perpetual 31-year-old, but he's 46 now. I don't know that he wants to play this role for a lot longer. So I think we're going to get Deadpool 3. I think we might get a Deadpool 4, but I don't think it's going to be much more beyond that. So yeah, I, I think the Deadpool, the dedicated Deadpool movies, I think they will always be rated R. I, I think you're right. And you're, I mean, he's going to, like you said, four kids, he might want to give up acting. And, and again, a constantly expanding portfolio of his business interests. He's becoming really more of a businessman than he is. And a philanthropist. Actor. Yeah, and so. a massive philanthropist. So, and he's a Canadian he's gonna, kid. He's a good Canadian kid. I know. Kid. I just don't know if he's going to be wanting to do it much longer. Uh, Victor Garrity says, I have Paramount Plus and HBO Max through Amazon. I probably wouldn't have either of them otherwise, but the ease of just one app is wonderful. I agree, Victor. Yeah, which is why... When, like, back when HBO Max was launching and they weren't available through Amazon and they weren't, like, some people say, well, who cares? Just get it yourself. It's actually a big deal for a lot of people. The ease and convenience of just being able to say, oh, I can access this through this. And it's just all right there. And you saw it in the numbers. The numbers really reflected that when it was all going down. So you're absolutely, you're not alone in your feeling in that. You're absolutely right. And a lot of people feel the same way. All right. What's next? JT Hiskey says, I'm going to be a part of the taping of Wiz Khalifa's new show tomorrow, The Sum. It will be aired on TNT. I am stoked that I was chosen for it. I have no idea. I like Wiz. I've, have, I, don't, I've, I don't know what the show is, but that's cool. He got picked. I have had Wiz Khalifa in my studio before. I've sat down with him and interviewed him wow. before. Yeah. Um, like him a lot. I have no idea what the show is. Taylor, you seem to be our... Our obscure pop cultural guy. Do you have any idea what this Wiz Khalifa thing is? Never heard of it. Yeah, never, <laughs> it hasn't been made yet. So is it a talk show? I, I don't it know. It sounds like a game show. <laughs> it, you're right. It does sound like a game show, right? So I, I the don't sum. Know. The sum. All right. Mm. What's next? Uh, Kevin Irving says Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Wow, have you guys checked <laughs> it out yet? Sumptuous. It's like I said. It's sitting at an impressive eight percent. Now, wait a second. I did find the one positive review. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> and it just says, woo! <laughs> it's, it comes from an outlet I've never heard of before from New Zealand called mm. Flicks. But it says, Pooh's new role as a monstrous killer is a beautiful thing, reminding us that pop culture's infinite cycle is and must be more powerful than any single capitalistic endeavor. 
I don't think this guy even saw the movie. <laughs> I just read that. I don't believe for a second he even saw the movie. I know I didn't, but I... Oh, well. Okay, what's next? The Dark is Nasty says, Hey, guys, do you think it more appropriate to name Dom's son Paul instead of Brian, seeing how he's still technically alive in the series? Hey, Rob. Meanwhile. <laughs> um, what is the kid's name in, in the movie? Is he named Paul or is he named Brian? I don't even remember. I think he called him Brian something. I mean, it makes more sense to because in the universe... Yeah, he's Brian. Yeah, and listen, I, we name kids after people who are living all the time all the time so yeah that would that would make sense you name him brian yeah. that's your best friend and but yeah you, i could see you doing that brian all right junior what's next uh ramo says john i know you're not into biopics but what did you think of jennifer lopez on selena her best performance ever in my opinion but hustlers is a close second out of sight's good too hustler was her she was good and out of sight yeah um, but I, I think Hustlers, at the end of the day, that is going to be her marquee performance. Uh, incredible. It's because she's she plays a character unlike we've ever seen her play it before. And she's she there was an emotional range for that character that was much a wider range than any other role she's been given to play before, too. Uh, that was a, a great movie, but again, her performance carried it. So all due respect to those other ones, absolutely. And I don't believe Jennifer Lopez is one of the great actresses of our time, but she was great. At her, and I think that is her crown jewel performance for me. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, look, Selena was really where she broke through and she was incredible. She was incredible, but, but she wasn't a seasoned actress. And I think I was blown away by her performance. I mean, out of sight, Steven Soderbergh, she was with George Clooney. I thought it was great chemistry. I really liked that film, but She's gotten to be a great look, even in that Dunkin' Donuts commercial with Ben Affleck, the Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> that was a fun she, commercial. She sells it. You know, she rolls up and I watched all they have like a string out of all the all of it. It's like ten minutes long. Ben Affleck's pretty funny in all of that. I mean, he was clearly having a blast. Look, I, I have been unashamedly unabashed. I am a big Ben Affleck. Fan. Me too. I have been for a very long time. I, I will admit something though. Like, I want all the joy in the world for, for Ben and Jennifer. I do. I want all the joy in the world. I wanted Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner to be together forever. I know. I really did. I loved them as a couple. Uh, mm. But whatever. I, I just As long as they're both happy today with, with where they are, that's all that matters. All right. What's next? <laughs> uh, Armando Martinez says, favorite fast food restaurant? Harvey's. It's a Canadian fast food restaurant. Uh, they make the best fast food burgers anywhere in the world. I, I'm not saying they make the best burgers in the world, but as far as fast food burgers go, they are the best. With a D or V? Hardee's? Or v, Harvey. Harvey's. As in, uh, I hate saying it, Weinstein. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's called Harvey's. Um, best, best fast food burgers I've ever had. And whenever I go back to Canada, I make sure I stop in for at least once to get one of their burgers because it's really, really good. All right, what's next? uh bike man says hi from south africa i loved district nine i did too end of the movie chris said he would return in three years it's been more than three years is the sequel too late now the sequel is too late yeah I they, so. they needed to jump on this now hey a lot of us said the same thing about top gun maverick but district nine is not top gun um, I, they should have jumped on this and done a, especially when you consider how inexpensively they were i think they made that movie for 30 million dollars if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And 
I, I, I am at a loss. Now, look, I know, you know what? Another video I need to make, editorial video on, what happened to the Halo movie? Because remember back in the day, oh. Peter Jackson was going to get uh, District 9 director, Neil Blomkamp, yep. was going to direct. Now, this is before District 9 came out was going to do a Halo thing, right? They were going to do a Halo movie, and that died on the vine. But I got to make one about that sometime, too. But yeah, they should have made that a while ago. All right, what's next? Uh, Kenneth Colton says, it's game day. Game, game day. day. Ant-Man screening at 3 p.m. I hope I walk out with a big smile on my face. Rob, I got a box of Scree-ups. <laughs> it. It's winter. You can use it for kindling. Oh, I, oh, oh that was harsh. Oh, Somebody poured their life's work into making that screen. Well, he said rock. box of scripts. If, if they're his box of scripts that he's written, if he's got a lot of boxes of them, they're not good enough to sell. So, I um, listen. I, I, I am with you. I go into every Marvel thing hoping for the best, and maybe this is the next Shang Chi, or. Yeah. Maybe it's the next She-Hulk. I, I don't know. But we'll find out. Four o'clock for us today. <laughs> Keep your eyes open for our out-of-theater reaction. And, of course, tomorrow on the John Campus Show, we'll do a, a big... Are you going to see Ant-Man tonight? Yeah. Then tomorrow, we're going to be doing a big review of, of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And, of course, on Sunday, for those of you who have tickets, of course, we've got our, our live show is happening uh, at uh, the Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank, California. The sh show is sold out. Thank you to everybody who bought tickets coming to see me. And oh, you even have the poster ready to go there. Me, Greg Alba, Christian Harloff. We're going to be talking about, uh, you know, the online film world, stuff like that. And of course, we're going to focus in on talking a bit about Ant-Man and the Wasp as well. So uh, looking forward to seeing any of you guys who are coming to that on Sunday. Nice. All right. What's next? Uh, Corey R says blood and honey was so hilarious. Highly recommend seeing it. It was fantastic. Dumb fun with some hilarious kills. Well, I I'm glad to hear it. I got to tell you guys my favorite kill. I have to. So it's the one that's in the poster. <laughs> I could talk all day about poo, but I, I won't. Um, and it's it's Pooh in the car driving towards the girl, but then piglets. So when the Pooh drives, Winnie the Pooh has a questionable driver's license. Okay. Not sure where he got that license. All right. Uh, but Piglet's slowly inching his way towards the girl with the sledgehammer, and you think Piglet's going to be the one to knock that girl out, right? Pooh slowly drives over the girl's head, and her eye pops out of her. Eye violence. Eye violence. I, <laughs> Chris Carr, you didn't hear that? There's no eye violence. We're going to go see it. It's a fun family film. Wow. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I'll probably still see it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably still see it. I've been excited about it. I'll probably still see it. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to hear better review because I know a couple of these reviewers too were really, really excited about this movie. Like for every, so I don't know. I'm, I'm a, some of my enthusiasm is waned, but that's it. Anyway, is that all of them, Jonathan? That's it. Well, guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Gampy Show. Thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Again, guys, keep your guys' eyes open for a little bit later today on the channel, probably a little bit later tonight, as uh, me and Ray will probably be putting up our out-of-theater reaction to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I, I hope it works for me, man, because I love this franchise so much. Anyway, for everybody in the room, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, Ray Ora's back there, Jonathan Voigo's been running the show, Taylor Gonzalez. My name's John Campia. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.